without you I've searched far and wide to find that it doesn't get any better than that And I just wanna say I'm sorry for running in circles with my sin shame when you told me to run to your so irresponsible. I just wanna Sometimes I know that's what they say But right now it seems this loneliness won't go away Can anybody feel this heartache? Is anyone around? Feels like we're running round in circles We can't catch your breath We can't enjoy the moment when we always want what's next Just when I can't take no more It's when I hear you say Don't hang your head when you get lonely 
Good morning, good morning, test, test. Who can hear me out there? Who can hear me out there? Amen, amen. Good to have you in the house of the Lord. Anyway, I can hear myself a little bit better there. Good to have you in the house of the Lord. It's good to have a, a, a future Super Bowl champion in the house of the Lord today, too. Julian, his, his football team yesterday won the semifinal, so in his league, they're going to the Super Bowl next weekend. So come on, Julian, stand up so we can all pray for you. This is Julian. He played over in the Brookville uh, team, one of the uh, teams over there. So proud of you. Played hard yesterday. They won the game. So next weekend, pray for them as they play in their Super Bowl. So uh, glad to have you here. Um, don't forget, as a matter of fact, uh, don't forget, my name is Pastor Tim, Pastor Tim Witt. I always forget. I even, I already got on my notes here. I am Pastor Tim Witt. I, I do this all the time, but yet I seem to forget stuff. Right? It's okay. We're all family. We're all family. But uh, glad to be here. Glad to be part of this church. So much stuff going on. Uh, don't forget to vote. From Dale and Linda Bell, the announcement is don't forget to vote. It's important for us to stand up and make our voice heard and vote. So do your research so you know who you're voting for. But you go out and make sure you vote uh, this week, this Tuesday. So Rick Kennedy, come up and give us a report on FCA. Thank you, Tim. So uh, I wanted to just take a minute to um, give you an update on finalizing the ministry that we did all football season long with our church, uh, along with FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, for the JF football team. So I've already mentioned, and you probably already knew, that every Wednesday night during the season, uh, we did a meal for the players after practice. And so if you think about it, um, the kids have been, the, student, the players have been in school all day. From that, they go down to the football field. They practice two and a half hours. They are ready to be home. And so we entice them with food. And we average, so there's a, basically 100 kids on the JV and the varsity team. And we average over half the team, over 50 kids every week uh, that stayed. 
Yeah. So we had half the football team staying when I know for me, I, I would have been ready to get home. And, and so they stayed around and we fed them food and we fed them spiritually. Uh, we get a devotion every time, every, every Sunday. So what I wanted to do was um, ask everybody who part said, I mean, this ministry this year was the best we've had in, in about five or six years. As far as participating, the number of players that came, uh, and it was all because of Impact Church. And so at the beginning of the season, we did a sign-up for people to participate, uh, bringing food, dessert, and then we actually ended up collecting money uh, because it got very, very expensive to feed that many kids uh, on, the, on, on, the, on the weeknight. So if you participated, if you gave financially, uh, for this ministry of the, of the football meals, if you brought desserts, if you brought mac and cheese, if you cooked a meal, if you participated in any way, I want you to stand up. All right, please stand up. Please stand up. People that volunteered. So, yeah, go, all these people, you need to give them a hand, all right, because awesome. The, the ministry on Wednesday night got, got so big that it, it was just, I couldn't have done it by myself. I needed people to help and people giving financially because we, uh, so the last, so here's the thing. So last Wednesday night, uh, this week was the final regular season game. And so they are going into playoffs. This is the best season they've had in a long time, since 2014, 2015. And so they're into the playoffs, but uh, so the final meal, I want to do something special. So we, we, we worked out Chick-fil-A. So we had a Chick-fil-A sandwich uh, for them. A lot of kids were really in, into that. So we had, and then it was really cold this week too, which we hadn't had before. We really hadn't had any issues with the weather. All of a sudden it was really cold. And so a couple of the players were like, I don't know if some of the kids are going to stay. They don't want to be outside because they're all sweaty and stuff. And I'm like, well, all right, let me talk to the coach. So I talked to the coach. He's like, yeah, y'all can have the locker room and all that. So I'm like, all right, we're good. We had over 70 kids stay on Wednesday. Yeah, 70. So we had we had over 70 kids out of 100 that stayed around for the last last meal. So we fed them. We had a ton of food. We had uh, all the Chick-fil-A sandwiches. We had chips. We had potato wedges, and they, and they really enjoyed it. And it was it was a blessing. Wow, what what an amazing thing that was accomplished by all those involved. So this church, FCA. What an avenue, and that's what that's what we want to do. So I am up here to give the final update on that, and and I already said last week that the basketball coaches approached me, so I'm going to start working up a couple meals for the basketball team because most of those kids are different; they're not the same kids on the football team. So we're going to have another opportunity. So yes, thank you to each and every one of you, all of the the, the people that helped, and and I had some that came every week. Uh, and helped. So for you, um, I especially want to say thank you. So praise the Lord. Amen. Yes. Thank you, Rick. And thank you, everybody who served. It, it shows you what we have to do as a church. We have to come together. We all have to participate because you do stuff like this. It takes all of us to do this. So thank you for everybody who did that. Uh, talk about a great opportunity, great event. This past Sunday, we had our trunk or treat. So I think we have a video. So let's watch a video about trunk or treat. 
And that prideful attitude of sin separates us from God for eternity. But can I tell you, there's a plan for your life, and we've already talked about that with these steel bars that we've been up here earlier, that you're unique, that you're special, and God created you for a purpose. And there's a plan for your life, and that plan is for you to be in the presence of God. Yes, amen. Thank you, thank you. I used to say it was a great turnout, great event, and you always can depend on Impact Church. When we gather people together, we do it for a purpose, and that is for Brad to be able to opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to our community so that people can hear and know how they can have eternity with Jesus Christ. Uh, so we got some slides up here. So we had some voting going on for the best trunks this year. So for third place, third place, we have a tie between Candyland and Indiana Jones. So do we have uh, slides up there for that? Candyland and Indiana Jones. So those are the third place. And believe me, a lot of time went into these trunks. So for second place, second place, we have Jurassic Park. And everybody's waiting with anticipation. First place is Alice in Wonderland. Look at that. Great detail. And that's what it's all about, right? Doing things top quality, bring the people out. So they want to come here year after year. They want to come back to Impact Church. And more people come to Impact Church, guess what? More people hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we impact this community for Christ in all these different ways. So Brad says we don't do things just for fun, but we want to have fun doing them. But we, as we have fun, it's amazing. The Holy Spirit shows up and people get saved while we're having fun with the gospel of Jesus Christ being presented. Uh, a couple of other announcements. Operation Christmas Child. I know we're just finishing Halloween, but uh, November 13th through the 20th, I don't know if they have the slide available for that, but that's when we have to turn these boxes in for Operation Christmas Child to have a chance to get these boxes to the outer post marts of the world. There it is, 13th through the 20th. So pick up your boxes, take them home, fill them up. They got the labels to show you what needs to go in the box, and we want to have those turned in by uh, the 13th through the 20th. If you have any questions, Dawn's over there. Shayla's also available after church, but talk to them about Operation Christmas Child. Then as we go into prayer, I just want to, we got some uh, praying to do, people, as a church, as a family. Uh, we know about Jeremy and uh, his fall he took. He's back home. He's doing great, but he's got a lot of healing process to do. So let's pray for Jeremy Lee as he heals from falling from a rope. He broke his elbow, has cracked his pelvic bone. Uh, surgeries went great. Your prayers were heard. He did well in the surgery. Now it's just the rehab process, which could take, you know, take a long time. He's got to be no putting pressure on his leg for, I think, uh, eight weeks. And then after eight weeks of rest so he can heal, then he's got some months of rehab to do. So pray for Jeremy Lee. Pray for Courtney and their baby Harper. Just pray over them. Uh, we are, you know, anything that you want to do to help them out, just contact me. You know, we'll just get you connected to them. If you want to take a meal to them, I think there's a meal train set up. If you want to just help them with uh, yard work or, or things around the house, we'll get you plugged in to help serve. Uh, the next prayer we just really, really pray about is uh, pray for the Sandage family. As Amy Sandage is going through a tough, tough battle with cancer. Uh, if we ask who in this room has been affected by cancer with a family member going through it, I, probably everybody would stand up because we have all been affected by the devastation of cancer and how it really impacts a person's body. 
And uh, so just be, especially prayer for Amy, that uh, doctors will know what to do, that they can come up with some solutions, that uh, she could be comforted, that she could breathe, uh, the cancers in her lungs. But just uh, lift Amy Sandage up to the Lord. Um, pray for Will, uh, Autumn, Sierra, Hunter. Pray for the family, that uh, God will be with them, walk with them through this. Uh, this is a dark valley. And he promised in Psalms 23 that when we go through dark valleys, we don't go through dark valleys alone, that he will go with us. So we know God is walking with them. But we as a church need to walk with them too. We need to walk with them through prayers without ceasing. So pray for Amy's healing. Pray for the Sanders family to be supported and to be strengthened. And just pray for just the things going on in their life. So let's pray. Dear God, we thank you that you are a God that loves us. You care for us, and you never leave us nor forsake us, even in our darkest valleys, even in our toughest experiences. God, right now, we just uh, we lift up Jeremy Lee to you right now that you would touch his body, heal him, strengthen him. That day he fell uh, and, and uh, broke his uh, elbow and his hip. You were there to help him uh, just get all the help he needed to get strengthened, to have surgeries, to help with recovery. Thank you for being with uh, Jeremy and Courtney and Harper and just blessing them as a family. God, we know that you're with Amy right now. You're giving her strength. You're giving her oxygen. You're giving her healing. God, you're there with Will and Hunter, Sierra and Autumn. You're just blessing them and strengthening them. Uh, Father, just pray that you just lift Amy up and strengthen her. Uh, help her to have the doctors that give the best wisdom. Help her to get in the best place for treatment and the best uh, opportunity to, to find complete healing, Father. You're the God, the great physician that can do this. And we lift Amy to you right now and beg you that you would just work in her life and provide that miracle that only you can provide. God, we as a church family, we surround each other. We love each other. And Father, we know we're about giving the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're also about, as a family, uniting together to pray for one another so we can do this life in your presence every, each day. God, we glorify your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Psalms 113, verses 2 through 3 says, Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. And that's what we're here to do this morning. Let's stand together as we sing to our Father.
Would you praise him today? Amen. Amen. He is worthy to be praised at all times. Can you say amen to that? Yes. Amen. He is always worthy of praise. This next song we'd like to share with you is called Holy Forever. It's a new song that we're going to learn today. And uh, we'd just like to teach you a verse and a chorus of it. And, uh, and then we'll sing that together. The, the verse goes like this. A thousand generations. A thousand generations falling down in worship to sing the song of ages to the
same yesterday, today and forevermore. You are the same God. You are the same God. Lord, you are. Lord, you are. God, as we just sang, God, you are providing then, you are providing now. God, I pray for my friends, God, that I've spoken to even recently, Father, who need your provision. God, I pray for provision for them. I pray for healing for those that are needing healing, God. Lord, help us not just to sing these words, God, just to be in your presence and just kind of go through the motions, Father. Help us to really understand, God, that we have this opportunity to be in your presence, God. And Lord, I pray that as we sing these songs, Father, they will be more than just words off of our lips, but they will be the prayer of our hearts, God. God, we need you. We need you now. We need you every minute of every day, just as much as we need the next breath in our body, God. We need you. And God, I pray that as we hear your word today, God, that we'll be changed to be more like you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this body. God, and I pray that you'll encourage each heart to know that you're the same God today, yesterday, and forevermore. You do not change. The word impossible is nothing for you, Father. There's nothing impossible for you. You are the same God. You are the same God. Thank you. You may be seated. Am I on? Am I not on? On? Now on now. Good morning, church. How's everybody doing? Good? All right. Hope you're excited to be in the house of the Lord today. It's a great day, and uh, we're going to have a a very moving and motivating word from the Lord today. I believe the Lord's going to light a fire under us. And if you leave out of here today uh, not on fire, then uh, you better check your pulse uh, because the word of the Lord is going to come right at us today, as it does every week. But I think there's a little bit more uh, uh, in it today. So uh, I hope you're ready for this. And welcome to Impact Church. If you're visiting with us this morning and uh, you're visiting and you're, maybe you're searching for a church home and you're, um, you're stopping and shopping around, we hope this is your last stop and your last shop, that the Lord would anchor you right here through his spirit to be a part of what God's doing through impact church within this body and in this community. If you're looking for a church that stands on the word of God, preaches it unapologetically and uh, doesn't leave holes in it, doesn't sugarcoat it or water it down, you're in the right place. Okay. So uh, we hope the Lord would anchor you here. We would love for you and your family to be a part of what God's doing. 
So welcome as you worship with us here this morning. Uh, a lot of things, a uh, couple things to touch on before we get going, and I don't want to take too long, but first of all, we know uh, getting ready to vote here this Tuesday, so go out, be salt and light. Uh, our opportunity uh, to, to vote and uh, be a part of uh, the issues at hand and uh, vote the Bible. And, and because we're, I don't know if you know this, but you're, you're not a Republican, you're not a Democrat. You're a follower of Jesus Christ and your allegiance is to him and his word alone, not to a party. So go be salt and light, okay? All right. Then our, our land, we know uh, we're developing out there. If you've ridden by there, you see some steel going up. Matter of fact, all the steel beams are up and uh, the, the skeleton of a building is in place. Amen. <laughs> So we'll show you some of that progress at the end if you have time to stay and watch a, a brief video clip of some of that going up and then uh, keep praying over the workers out there, a lot of workers out there, some of, a couple of which are, are in our church and, and a part of Impact Church out there building that building. So pray for their safety and pray for the Lord to use them as they shine the light of Christ to every person that comes in and out of that land, that that would just be when they come on that property, they would feel the presence of Jesus, right? And that they would be spoken to and witnessed to by the, the men uh, who are out there uh, laboring as well. So be uh, ready to watch that after the service here as we end. And then also, uh, Tim alluded to earlier, praying over Jeremy, and we're doing that in ways to help and get involved. And then also Amy Sandage. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. A Amy needs a miracle. Amy needs the hand of God to touch her. So what I want us to do um, is as a body right now, I'm going to ask us to go to in prayer and to ask for the hand of God to touch our sister in Christ and, 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 and to heal her. And, and I believe God can do that in many ways. God can do that through his own hand in a miracle. And they could go in the next scan and be like, I have no explanation, but that stuff's gone. God can do that. Oftentimes, though, God lead, takes us through a storm. God can take us out of a storm, but oftentimes God takes us through a storm, Right. And so we're going to pray that God would, would help take her through or out, however he sees fit. And ultimately, it would be for, for his glory that that family, that Amy and that family would, uh, as they're in hospitals and doctor's offices and, and in face uh, of people that they don't know, and then in their waiting rooms, uh, potentially with people that are going through similar situations, that they would be a light for Jesus in the midst of the storm that their own family's in, right? So um, if you will, let's go ahead, and, and I want us to stand as we pray together as a body for this. And we're going to ask, um, we're just going to go before the, the throne room of the Lord right now. We're going to go before... Um, our healer, Jehovah Rapha, the, the, the God who heals. And we're going to ask him to do what only he can do for his glory, and that's touch our sister, Amy Sandage, right now. So let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. And Lord, we come to you right now with a heavy heart. And Lord, our sister in Christ is consumed with a disease. And Lord, she's facing something where she's scared, and she needs your strength. Lord, she needs strength in her body. She needs nourishment. Father, she needs an immune system. She needs health. She needs the healing and touching hand of an almighty healing God. And Lord, you're the only one we come to, Father, because you are the one and only true God. You are Jehovah Rapha. You are the God who heals. And Lord, we believe that. We believe just one touch of your garment, a lady was healed, Father, and the power went out from you. So, Father, I pray right now that you would touch our sister. Lord, would you touch your body? Lord, would you 
Do that any way that you see fit, whether you want to perform that miracle and just erase that. And when everybody sees that, they just look to Jesus. They look to you, Father. Or Lord, whether you use these doctors, these nurses, these treatments, everything that she's about to endure to go through, Father, that you would use that to heal in a race. But Father, whatever way, whatever means you see fit, I pray, Father, now that you would touch Amy Sandage right now. Lord, let her feel your presence. Let her feel your hand. Let her feel your strength. Lord, give her a resolve in her body, Lord, to, to fight, Lord, and, and to look to you. And Lord, let this draw her closer to you in this midst. Let this draw every person in her family closer to you. Let this draw every doctor, every nurse, every friend, every church member, every coworker, every person that knows her closer to you as we see our sister walk through this and depend on you. She hasn't lost her faith. And Lord, we're turning to you, the God who heals. So we're praying that you would go before us and Father, do what only you can do. And Lord, you're gonna get all the glory for what you do in and through Amy in this situation. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. All right. So now, as we shift gears and into our message here today, and we're continuing in our sermon series through the book of Esther, and we enter chapter four. And you know our sermon series through Esther is entitled, For Such a Time as This. And if you know anything about the book of Esther, you know that that title comes from a verse within this passage in this chapter that we're going to tackle here today. So I say that with emphasis because inside of that is going to be a message that is going to light a fire under every single one of us today. I'm going to be honest, it lit a fire under me. But Brad, you don't need a fire. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm going to keep a fire in my stomach all the time, though. You know what I'm saying? But sometimes God wants to blow on it a little bit. And I believe he wants to do that with all of us today. Because he's done that to me as I've prepared this. And he's picked my head up. And he's lifted my shoulders back. And squared them according to his spirit. And be like, yeah, this is fourth quarter stuff. It's supposed to be hard. So you're going to dig deep. And you got to lean on me a little more. And more than maybe you ever have. Because you need to depend on the spirit of God and the strength that only he can provide to do everything that he's called you to do. Do you know that? Every single thing. So the title of today's message is Coming Through in the Clutch for Such a Time as This. Coming Through in the Clutch for Such a Time as This. Those of you that are um, a few decades old like me, you remember a brother by the name of Michael Jordan that used to play basketball. And uh, some of you are like, ooh, that, that's just because he used to beat y'all all the time. You know what I'm saying? All right. But Michael Jordan is probably the best player, hands down, don't want to argue, to ever play that game. Unbelievable artist, just what he could do, nobody could do. People knew he was getting the ball. They would double team him, triple team him, quadruple team him. He still found a way and scored. Unbelievable, unbelievable athlete, God-given talent. And what Michael Jordan was most known for was coming through in the clutch. You see, there would come a time in the game toward the end of the fourth quarter where sometimes the Chicago Bulls would find themselves down. They had a problem. They were losing. And there was a need. There was a need for somebody to step up to make a play. So there become a burden on the team to look for this person, for this one that they could depend on to step up and do this. And inside of that, that burden developed a calling. And they would call on number 23 to get the ball in the final seconds. And that led to his mission was, was to do what he was called and gifted to do. And that was to make the play. 
at the turning point in the game called in the clutch, that pivotal moment where it could go one way or the other, where something had to happen and they would get the ball to him and everybody knew, everybody in the place knew and everybody on the other team knew and everybody knew it was no secret who was getting the ball and who was taking the shot. And he did it. And oh, so often how he would go and maneuver and go to the hoop or fade back and shoot that three in that clutch moment. Guys, today I'm going to tell you, as I have so many times here spiritually in life in the world that we're living in, we're in the fourth quarter. And I'm going to tell you right now that we're in a clutch moment in our life, in our society, in our world. And I'm going to tell you today that the coach, the Lord Jesus, is looking for somebody to make a play. He's looking for somebody that wants to step up and answer the call. And I, can I just be honest with you? In a basketball game, the coach can only put five people on the court at a time. The rest of the team has to sit on the bench. And in that moment in the clutch, only one person can shoot the basketball, not all five of them. But you know that is drastically different than the coach just puts you and I on the field and on the court today. You see, it's not just looking for the one to take the shot. It's not just looking for the pastor, for the evangelist, for the theologian, for the Sunday school teacher, for the life group leader. They're not the only ones to take the shot. God has put us all on the field and on the court to make a play today. Every single one of us. There's no sideline Christians in God's army. And if you are, you better get off the bench and get on the field. Because God is calling us here for such a time as this. And I'm going to tell you right now that it all starts with a problem and it leads to a need. And then God, and through that, through that problem and through that need, is going to give us a burden. And inside that burden, he's going to give us a calling. And in that calling, when we say yes, he's going to give us a mission. And then outside of that, once we say yes to his calling and his mission, he's going to provide the power and the strength that we need, that we don't have on our own. Do you know that? It's an Acts 1-8 calling. What does Acts 1-8 say? It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and to all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Can I tell you the problem today? The life that most Christians live, you don't need power. The stance you take at school and at work and out in society, you don't need power for that. You see, you only need power when you arise to the occasion in the clutch to make a stand for Jesus in a world that's going the opposite direction. Amen. When it's not popular to stand for the truth, when it's not popular to stand for Jesus, when it may even cost you your life, that's when you need power. We live in a society of powerless followers of Christ that don't need his power because they're quiet, right. because they're sitting on the sideline. And they're not trying to make a play for Jesus. But I'm going to say today, like I said before, God wants to light a fire under this church. God wants to light a fire under you individually, under your family. And we need to be bold about the mission that God's called us to. Because I believe wholeheartedly that God has placed you and me, God has placed Impact Church here for such a time as this. The question is, will we say yes to Jesus and take on the mission? Let me pray for us before we dive in. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you, Father, for Jesus. Lord, who without him, we would be hopeless. 
we would be stuck in our sin with a penalty and a debt that we can't pay. No matter how much good we do, Father, we couldn't pay that debt, that penalty. And Lord, you took that upon yourself. As the spotless lamb, your body was broken and your blood was shed. And you're the just dying for the unjust. And Lord, we are in debt to you. And Lord, even inside of that, you're a God that invites us. This just blows my mind. You invite us to be a part of your mission. You use us as imperfect vessels to shine a light of Christ through our brokenness and our scars to a, to a world that's in the dark and so desperately needs you. But Lord, so many times we live powerless and we're scared to step out because it may cost us something. Lord, forgive us. And Lord, change us today in that. Lord, re revitalize, just move in us, Lord. Re help us to, to see the reason we were called to follow you. you. Lord, you just didn't just save us for us. You saved us for others. <laughs> you saved us to shine a light. Lord, to be salt and light. And Lord, I pray that you would move in us and that you would re re remind us of why you called us, Lord, like you've done me this week. And Lord, that you would pick our head up out of the, the trials and the situations and the hardcomings and the resistance that we experience from an enemy and even from people whose hearts aren't right. And Lord, that we would square our shoulders with the gospel and that, Lord, we would charge the gates of hell with the power that only you provide so that other people will know Jesus. Lord, as we enter these clutch moments in the fourth quarter, I pray that you would call people off the bench to make a play. Because you put us here for such a time as this. So, Lord, I pray that you would go before us and do what only you can do, and you get all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you can probably tell I'm a little amped up this morning. And those of you that are visiting, it'd be like, whoo! I said, boy, is your pastor that crazy every week? And it'd be like, uh, nah, nah, sometimes he's worse, right? All right, so here we go. Let's get it. So, if you have a copy of God's Word, let's turn with uh, me to Esther chapter 4. And we're going to start by reading verses 1 through 9. And we're going to go through this text here in half this chapter and then the second half. And we're going to dig out everything God has for us inside of this because it's a lot. Esther chapter 4, verses 1 through 9 to start off. When Mordecai learned all that had happened, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city. He cried out with a loud and bitter cry. He went as far as the front of the king's gate, for no one might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province where the king's command and decree arrived, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting, weeping, and wailing. And many lay in sackcloth and ashes. So Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her, and the queen was deeply distressed. Then she sent garments to clothe Mordecai and take his sackcloth away from him, but he would not accept them. Then Esther called Hatak, one of the king's eunuchs, whom he had appointed to attend her. And she gave him a command concerning Mordecai to learn what and why this was. So Hatak went out to Mordecai in the city square and was in front of the king's gate. And Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the sum of the money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries to destroy the Jews. 
He also gave him a copy of the written decree for their destruction, which was given at Shushan that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her. And that he might command, get this, command her to go into the king to make supplication to him and plead before him for her people. So Hatak returned and told Esther the words of Mordecai. All right, so we know if you've been with us here, and if you haven't, you need to go back and check out. We went through the, the, an introduction with the history and, and the, the setting and the background of Esther. Then in chapter 1, we saw this um, drunken party, if you will, that um, King Xerxes had put on. And inside of that had called his wife Vashti to come and, and uh, dance provocatively and inappropriately in front of a bunch of drunken men. She denied him. He removed her as queen through a decree. That opened the door in chapter 2 for Esther to come on the scene in an unfavorable uh, circumstance. And our message there was finding favor amongst the unfavorable. And we saw how God had, had positioned her, even in an unfavorable situation, he was about to position her for this clutch moment that we see here in chapter 4. We know in chapter 3, Haman's heart was um, released at how his heart was to destroy the Jews and kill every single one of them there that were left in Persia. So now, and we know that this was revealed because Mordecai had decided he was not going to bow down and honor Haman like was commanded, all right? This wasn't worship. This was just an act of honor. But obviously God had given Mordecai discernment or he knew what was in Haman's heart. So he's like, man, you don't deserve any honor. So he didn't do it. So because of that, that fired Haman up. And we see in this last chapter, in chapter three, where the wrath of Haman come to the surface. And he didn't want to just hurt Mordecai because you think that would be enough. That's the one that wasn't bowing. You think you just want to get him. His hatred toward Jews and his demonic-infused heart wanted to eradicate every Jew in Persia because of this. So now, Mordecai finds out about this decree that was made as such as Haman talked the king into agreeing to it. And he's found out the decree's gone out. So now, enter chapter 4. And we see Mordecai is anguished over this. And remember, probably a little more than just anguish over, obviously, all of the Jews about to be exterminated, if you will, included himself, but realizing that he was probably the cause of that. Could you imagine that burden? Could you? Because you stood for what was right, because you knew what was evil in this person's heart, so you wouldn't do uh, what he wanted to fill his pride and his power-hungry self and his hatred heart, and you didn't do that. So now because of the stance you made, which was right, evil happens to a bunch of people around you. Have you ever been in that situation? Could you imagine being in that situation? Can you imagine the anguish? And that's exactly what Mordecai was feeling right here. That's what it says he cried out with a loud and bitter cry. But he wasn't going to change his mind. He wasn't going to go grovel back to Haman and say, oh, I'm sorry, I'll bow to you now. He wasn't going to try to do that because he was going to stand for what was right. And then also partially he knew back in Persian times that once a decree went out, it was done. It wasn't going to be reversed. So he knew what was done was done. And he was anguished. And the Bible says right here that he tore his clothes. And you'd be like, hold up, man. So I've been in some stressful moments before and been wigged out, but I ain't going to tear my threads. You know what I'm saying? 
But guys, that's what happened back then when there was extreme anguish over a situation. They would tear their clothes and put on this sackcloth, all right? We see that this type of anguish had just spread to all the Jews in Persia. We just read that in this passage. So it wasn't just Haman feeling this type of anguish. We've seen this previously in, in Scripture. We know when Caleb and Joshua had heard that the Israelites were, were groaning and mumbling about their present circumstances and situation, and they thought they might just be better off to go back to slavery in Egypt. The Bible says they tore their clothes and were like, oh God, let it not be so. We see this in, in Jacob when he thought that Joseph had died. You remember that story and, and that he was in such anguish and mourning over his son that he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth. That's the type of mourning that Mordecai found himself in here. Why? Because of genocide. Because somebody's hatred, past prejudice, hatred, and evil Amen. wanted to exterminate an entire group of innocent people. We saw last week how in Proverbs that there was six things that God hates and seven that are abomination to him. And essentially Haman had, had listed, had gone through the list of every single one. And we know that God hates hands that shed innocent blood completely. So this genocide was the cause of his anguish. But guys, I'm going to be honest. There's nothing new under the sun, the Bible says, right? This isn't the first time, and it would not be the last time, that hatred and evil and anti-Semitism in a person's heart would try to come against the Jews. We saw it with Hitler in Nazi Germany, right? Where six million Jews were eradicated, mostly through mass shootings and gas chambers. And we know that story and that history but the goal was not just to stop at 6 million. The goal of Hitler and the Nazis was to eradicate every single Jew, to wipe them off the face of the earth. And of course, God couldn't let that happen. Why? Because there's a covenant relationship that he had to fulfill. You see, so we're going to see the same thing happen here, that even though Haman's heart was evil and he had a prime opportunity poised in leadership to do what he had just decreed to go out and do, we're going to see God intervene because God is sovereign, not man. It doesn't mean bad things won't happen to man, but God is sovereign through it all. And we see that. So we see this anti-Semitism that is in Haman. We saw it in the Nazis. I'm going to be honest with you. We talked about it distinctly last week. We're seeing it right now through Hamas. How ironic is it that the name Haman and Hamas are only one letter off? I tried to look up that and there was no correlation, but I think it's just kind of ironic, don't you? Especially when you look at the word Hamas in, in the Hebrew and it literally means violence. So we look at this and we see this heart of anti-Semitism in our world today. I'm going to be honest, we're seeing a heart of anti-Semitism rise up within our nation. Anti-Semitism and hatred of Jews has increased over 400% since October 7th. Did you know that? 400%. We're even seeing it some now in people within our government. Yeah, go watch the news. It's out there where somebody has said we need to kill them all. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm telling you, hatred is real, and it's there, and it goes past prejudice. It goes into evil. You see, who was the first to hate God's people? 
Satan himself. <laughs> you look at Revelation 12 and it says that, that, the, that the dragon was there as, as the woman Israel was about to birth the child Jesus and was wanting to snatch it up. And then we know how many times that Satan has used evil kings and evil hearted men to come against God's people and to try to stop God's plan. I'm going to tell you right now, anti-Semitism is Satanism. It is. It is Satanism at its heart. And we see that today in Iran, who is, by the way, the major funder of all terrorism across the world. That's not political, guys. All right, you can Google that and look that up. That's been that way for a long time, and it has not changed. So I would vote they don't deserve one dollar from our nation, not my tax money. But we see that heart in that nation, in the Muslim extremists of Hamas and Hezbollah and other groups that we know have rose up. This is the anguish that Mordecai found himself in. And can you imagine this? He's sitting there and he's got to be like inside this anguish. Like, God, where are you at? Where are you at in this? Like, like all this is because of me? I mean, I tried to make a stand for what was right. And now all these bad things happen because of my stand for righteousness? Does that sound familiar? <laughs> all throughout Scripture, even inside today, yes, there oftentimes will be worldly consequences when you stand for what's right. You and maybe some people around you may potentially take a hit because of that, but and I think that's the reason so many people cower down and, and compromise today is we don't want to make that stand because we don't, we don't, we're, we're scared of the, the consequences of that. In other words, we fear man more than God. Can I say that again? That's the bottom line when it comes down to this. When you compromise, you fear man more than God. So don't compromise. Amen. Verse four through seven, we see that Esther is in such an isolation in the palace, she's not even been made aware of this decree. Imagine that. Everybody else is knowing is in mourning. Esther's like, I guess, in this hole in the palace, man. She's not even like made aware of what's going on. She doesn't even know what's going on. She has to be told by the by the eunuchs that Mordecai's even out there ripped his clothes and in sackcloth. And she's like, dude, what's what's wrong with my cousin, man? <laughs> what is he doing that for you? Lost his mind? What's going on? So she has to know and understand. Even what's going on. I want you to get that picture too. Remember, she's the queen. <laughs> she's the queen of the king. You talk about no communication within a relationship. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> there it is right there, okay? So she didn't know. Verse 8 and 9, we see that Mordecai through this hat track cat's going to send a copy of the decree up there. <laughs> So that she can see wholeheartedly everything that's about to go down and understand the gravity of what's going on. And then not just that, not just to get her all up in arms in mourning, but he sends this plea. This is so important. He sends a plea with this saying, I need you to go on behalf of your people, on behalf of God's people and make supplication. That's intercession with the king. In other words, there's three seconds left on the clock. We're about to lose. I need you to take the ball and make the shot. 
How many times, I wonder, has God put us in situations like that where he's positioned us, where he's called us to witness to somebody at work, at school, on a ball field, at a grocery store, wherever? God's positioned us, and he said, here, I need you to take the shot. And he'd be like, no, God, I ain't capable. I'm not comfortable doing that. I might miss. Do you know you miss every shot you don't take? God is positioning you and me to take a shot. And we need to trust in him and him alone and his confidence to give us something that we don't have ourselves. And that's the ability to make the shot. Because God wants to give it to you. God's positioned you for such a time as this. He's positioned Esther here for such a time as this. What if she said, bro, I ain't doing that. No way. I'm just going to sit here in the isolation of this palace and chill. But you see, she would have still eventually had the same fate as everybody else if she'd have done that. Not only would she have missed the shot for everybody else, she would have missed the shot for herself. She would have let herself down. I wonder how many times we've let ourselves down because we think we're not capable of doing what God's called us to do. Yes, we've let others down. Yes, we've let God down. But I believe we let ourselves down. Let's read verse 10 through 17. Keep moving. Verse 10. She's got the decree. She knows what's going on now. Then Esther spoke to Hatrach and gave him a command for Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court of the king who has not been called, he has but one law, put all to death, except the one whom the king holds out the golden scepter that he may live. Yet I myself have not been called to go into the king these 30 days. Mm. So they told Mordecai Esther's words. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther. Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go, gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther commanded him. You see, she had got the decree and she had heard the plea. So Esther presents the problem with that. Explain the, the difficulty behind this. That's not just as easy. You see, yeah, I'm, I'm the queen. But you see, not even I can go before the king unless I'm called. What? But I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in that kind of relationship. <laughs> Come on. And she's very clear that she hasn't even been called before him in 30 days. 
boy, it seems like things ain't so hot in the king's relationship there with his wife. You want to know why? Sin, his sinful heart, his, de- his heart for sensual pleasure. Because remember, he had a harem of 400 women. He didn't have to call and be with his wife all the time. Sin. That's why. So she hadn't even been called up, and she had no right to even just go before him on her own. And says very plainly, she could be executed. She could be killed because that was the rule. That this was not just a simple thing to do. This was a daring invitation. That may cost her her life. You know, I wonder what we would do in that situation. I wonder if we would have enough boldness and confidence in our Lord and in the position that he's placed us in to sacrifice even our life to stand for what's right, to make a stand for the Lord. You know, there was a a show not too long ago, and I don't know if it still goes on. You could probably catch anything with reruns anymore on the TV world we have. But it was a show called Undercover Boss. And you remember that show, and and what would happen is some normal employees would just um, be doing their run-of-the-mill, everyday routine, and this show would take the CEO, the boss, the head honcho, and he would put them, they would put the boss in the employee clothes or in attire and put them on the assembly line or flipping burgers or whatever the case may be along with the employees. Do y'all remember that? And you see, for these employees... And and you've probably been in this situation like I have. You may know the name of the boss, and maybe you don't. You know what I'm saying? The company's so big. But you may know the name, but you don't know him personally. Right? And in fact, he's such a, a, a distant person to you that you've never seen. He's never been around you. You don't even think he cares about you and what you do. And so much so that employees, maybe, maybe you've been a part of this and tempted to do this, but maybe not. Y'all are just like dedicated employees. But you start to mumble and grumble. If I was the boss of this place, oh man, things wouldn't be going on like this. So they put this boss down in there and then go through the show, and at a certain time, the boss would reveal who he was or she was and that they had been there the whole time with them. Guys, I'm going to tell you today, we play Christianity like undercover boss. Like God is some distant somebody that we know about, we hear about on Sunday, but we don't believe he's really with us and beside us in the battle. And I wonder how bold, how strong we would be in our stance for Jesus if we knew that we knew that we knew that God was not some distant person that didn't care or know about our situation, but he was right beside us every step of the way. Would that change how bold you were? You know it would. I think of... 2 Timothy 3.12, in this situation where Esther's very clearly explaining that I'm about to be, I could be persecuted for this. And I think of what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, where he says, Indeed, all those who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I want you to think about that verse for just a minute. Not all those who just call themselves a Christian. Not all those who go to church. All those who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, all those who desire to live sold out, sanctified lives for Jesus and stand boldly for the truth of God's word, 
those people all, A-double-L, will be persecuted. Are you ready to follow Christ now? Do you see the call? When you step out and you answer what you know God's called you to do, you will, de- you will experience hard and difficult times. Amen. You will. Life won't go great and smooth and easy all the time. That won't mean there's, there's not temporary moments of joy. That won't mean there's a, an internal fulfillment in following Jesus. There is. Because there's only hurt and emptiness if you don't follow him. But I want to set the record straight. There will be resistance and difficulty. Because your Christian life and your Christian walk and your calling and your mission that God's placed you on occurs on a battlefield, not a playground. Amen. So we see that's what Esther's called to do. This is a battlefield. This ain't a playground. This ain't fun and games. But a stand needs to be made. So she hadn't been called in for 30 days. Can we just take a moment just to see this? I, I, I think this scenario, this picture of what we just got is like unfathomable to us. A, a wife can't even go before her husband without being called or she might fear death. That's just unfathomable to us. But can we take this very scenario and, and see the biblical truth and application of how you and I have access to the now the very throne room of God with every need, with every burden, with every desire of our heart. You see, some people have it twisted in, 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 in false religion and think you have to go through a man or another person or system. And you know, but before Jesus went to the cross, for, for people to have forgiveness of their sin, they had to, to present their sacrifice and everything, and, and they had to, to give their, their request and their sin to, to the priest. And he could only go into the Holy of Holies at a certain time. And if he went in in an unworthy manner into the Holy of Holies, he wouldn't even come out. Did you know that? Oftentimes, they would tie a rope to the priest in case that brother didn't have his heart right before he went in there. So if he died, they could drag the brother back out. I kid you not. It's that serious to go in the presence of God. Amen. But Jesus, and the Bible is very clear on the cross that when he laid down his life, his body was broken, his blood was shed, and he atoned for our sin, that we no longer have to go to a man to have forgiveness of sin. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 2.5, there's but one God, and there's only one mediator now between God and man, and that's the man Christ Jesus. Jesus tore the veil. You don't have to do anything else other than have direct access to the throne room of God now because of Jesus. That's Hebrews 4.16. We have presence. We can go confidently before the throne, but still with a right heart. Make no, make no mistake about it. Amen. We still need to have that same right, consecrated heart to go before him. And I think that's what's lost in Christianity today is the reverence and the holy fear of God that needs to be present for us to even go to him. That part never changed. Jesus tore the veil, and we don't have to go through a, a priest or any man anymore. Direct access. So I want you to think about that for just a minute. The God of the universe, the God who created everything, the sovereign God who has everything under control, you have direct access to him through Jesus. Man, Jeremiah 33.3 says, in your ever-present day of trouble, call on me. I will answer you. I will show you great and mighty things which you don't know. Amen. 
Man, you had a problem? Try to get in touch with your doctor. I bet you'd be lucky to even speak to your nurse. <laughs> you got a problem in life, how things are going on? Try to get the president of the United States on the phone. See how long that takes you. But the Bible says when you and I have something going on in our heart, in our life, and we have a burden, a desire, a need, that we have direct access to God through Jesus. Amen. That he has made a way for us. That ought to just blow your mind. And apparently the life of the queen of Persia wasn't even important enough to her husband for her to enter. So now we move to verse 13 and 14. And I want you to see this because this is huge. And this is the verse you almost want to skip to in this passage, but everything else has to be brought in as well because it leads up to this. And then Mordecai told them to answer Esther, said, do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Did you hear that? Did you hear all of that? Did you hear within Mordecai's response the trust and the faith in the sovereignty of God. Did you hear that? If you remain silent, relief's going to come from somewhere else. What does Mordecai say in there? That God is not just a promise giver. God is a promise keeper. Amen. And that God's promise is to deliver his people. So in other words, if if Haman would get his way, God's a liar. <laughs> if they were all eradicated and exterminated, that, that God wouldn't be there for his people like he promised. That God wouldn't come against those, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. That would be a lie. You see, Mordecai knew and trusted God even over his cousin, right? even over his family member, even over Esther. You see, Mordecai's faith and trust and dependency wasn't in Esther. It was in God. Isn't that a beautiful picture? That our trust, our faith, our hope is not in a, a man or a woman. It's not in a person. It's not in a politician. It's not in a pastor. It's not in any person. It's in Jesus. It's in God and God alone and his truth. Therefore, we shouldn't be swayed or moved when man fails because our dependency and our focus is on God. So we see this in Mordecai, this dependency on God. And Mordecai reminded her that, man, you can remain isolated up there in that palace because obviously you didn't hear about any of this. You can try to remain isolated and think you're going to miss it all, but you're not. Because what's about to happen is going to happen to you also. And if you remain completely silent, deliverance is coming from somebody else. In other words, God's going to use somebody else, do it some other way. I want, you to, I want you to see that. 
Because God invites us to be a part of what he's doing. And he offers opportunities and moments for us to make a stand and to be a part of what he's doing so that we can be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Amen? So that we can see the hand of God truly move in our life and, and strengthen our faith. But I believe we have opportunities and moments that if we drag our feet, if we say no, and we don't step out, that yes, God wants you to be a part of it, but God doesn't need you. Amen. Right? He'll do it another way. Amen. So we miss out on it ourselves. Who's the one that loses by not stepping out for Jesus? Amen. You. You get to miss out on what God wants to use you for and be a part of your life and a part of your plan and a part of the promise that he's placed in front of you. He said, man, if, if you don't, if you remain silent, it's going to come but another way. And I think a of Jesus, his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Y'all remember that moment on the, on the donkey as he comes in and everybody's praising him and, and even the, and the Pharisees look over at Jesus and they're kind of sick of it and they don't think, they don't see any other way to quiet the crowd. So they look to Jesus himself and, and they say, man, why, why don't you scold your people? Why don't you make your people be quiet? What Jesus say in, in Luke chapter 19, verse 40. So I'm going to tell you the truth. If they'll be quiet, immediately the rocks will cry out. What does that mean? Doesn't mean the rocks are literally going to speak. It means that praise will come from another place. Even the very creation of God to his creator. That the very creation speaks of the magnitude and the glory of God. We know that and we see that in scripture. So, Esther's in this situation, and Mordecai reminded her of just that. Boy, don't you love it when somebody just puts it right in front of you and reminds you? Say, hey, in case you're thinking differently, this is, what, this is what's some truth. Here, let me put some truth in front of you. You and I need people like that in our life. That when we might be tempted to lean on our own understanding or go our own way or be deceived by some false doctrine, we need somebody that's bold enough to put the truth right in front of us. That's what Mordecai does for Esther. And I believe it probably helped. Because God put her there for such a time as this. And Mordecai said, what if, what if all this bad stuff that happened to you, you're probably unhappy in your marriage. I'm sure you are. You ain't even been with your husband in 30 days. You ain't even seen or talked with him. There's no communication. There's no intimacy of any kind. You're, you feel like your life's just wasted. What if all this bad scenario, unfavorable situation, God has put you in this position for such a time as this? What if all the bad things that are happening to us right now in our life, personally and, and, and community-wise and as a nation, what if everything that's going on or that everything that, that you have gone through in the past, good, bad, or indifferent, God has used to position you for such a time as this? Would that change how you acted right now? Might that change the grumbling that's going on in my heart and your heart right now if we truly knew and believed that? I know it would. I know it would. Esther was reminded that you're here to come through in the clutch. You're here for such a time as this. This is that pivotal moment where we see things shift and about to change. So it all depends on what will you do. 
It's time for somebody to make a stand. And that reminds me drastically of Ezekiel chapter 22. Turn with me to the Ezekiel chapter 22. I want to read this real quick. Ezekiel chapter 22, verses 27 through 31. We're, we're looking here in Ezekiel. God is speaking to Ezekiel at a time where before Israel is about to be destroyed by Babylon because of their sin, that God is very clear on what's been going on. Things have gotten so bad amongst the Jews in Israel, amongst God's people, that sin has taken over. And sin has infiltrated society in such a way that, yes, God's people are strayed, but it's even to the point where the government officials are evil and wicked. It's even to the point where the pastors are preaching false doctrine and saying God has said something when he really didn't say a thing. I want you to hear this real quick. And I want you to hear God's call because he was looking for somebody to come through in the clutch. When everything was going wrong and people were leaving the faith, people were being deceived and sin was infiltrated in a society and God's people, God was looking for somebody to make a play, to make a stand. Let's see what happened. Verse 27 through 31. The Bible says her princes, that would be her government officials, in her midst are like wolves tearing the prey to shed blood, to destroy people, and to get dishonest gain. Her prophets plastered them with untempered mortar, seeing false visions and divining lies for them, saying, thus says the Lord God, when the Lord had not spoken. That was the pastors. The people of the land have used oppressions, committed robbery, and mistreated the poor and needy, and they wrongfully oppress the stranger. Here's the kicker, verse 30. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. Therefore, I have poured out my indignation on them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath and I have recompensed their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord God. God was looking for somebody that would stand in the gap on behalf of his people to promote and stand on truth when it wasn't popular, to make a play in the clutch. And he says he found no one. I want to tell you, I know the military has a slogan in the Marine Corps, we're looking for a few good men, for a few good women, right? I believe today God is looking for a few good men and women to stand in the gap on behalf of his people to stand in the gap on behalf of his truth in a culture and a world that's going the wrong direction, and even of a 21st century American church age who is scared to preach the gospel and the truth, and they leave holes all in this Bible because they're scared it might offend people and run them out of the church. When we need to stand on truth and God's looking for somebody, that's this moment I believe that Esther was in. I'm looking for somebody to build a wall, to stand in the gap. This is Esther's moment in time to do just that. So 15 through 17. Beautiful moment as we get ready to close this up. We're seeing this determination that starts in Esther's heart from the Lord that she would be bold and go before the king, but she would only do it under one circumstance that God would go before her. Prayer and fasting. 
I need you guys to fast. I'm going to fast. We're all going to fast and pray. Guys, I'm going to tell you, man, you can't do anything outside of the power of God. And nothing of eternal importance, I heard a wise man say this named Dr. Falwell, nothing of of eternal significance ever happens apart from prayer. Ever. Ever. Say, I'm going in, but I'm not going in in my own strength. (laughs) I'm not going in in my own power. I'm not going in because I'm the queen. I'm going in because God's faithful. (laughs) Oh, man, I love this moment because you, you see the resolve start to try to fire up in Esther that she's making a mental resolve to be relentless before she steps out. How about you and I? We have to make a a mental resolve that we're going to make a stand and step out for God before we ever hit the ground out there. Can I just tell you that? That resolve starts in your heart through the Spirit of God burning in you. Again, and it starts with a problem that develops a need that gives you a burden. And inside that burden that God gives you, he gives you a calling. And here's the question. Will you say yes to Jesus so he can put you on the mission? Esther decided she was going to be bold and carry out this mission, whether it cost her her life or not. And this is that moment where you start to hear Eye of the Tiger play, right? dun 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 dun, dun. I'm I'm serious, guys. I wonder if there's an eye of the tiger moment that's going to fire you up spiritually. You'll be like, this is the moment. This is time to stand. If it's not happening now, I don't know when it's going to happen for you. Can I just be honest? Can I just go ahead and say that? If it's not happening in you now, when's it going to happen? What's it going to take for you to see the need that there's a problem, that you need a need, there's a burden. God's given you a calling, and he wants to set you on a mission. And it doesn't mean that you're all, we're all going to be pastors or teachers or all this, that, and the other. That, no, 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 no. God's called you to be salt and light where he's placed you in your vocation, whether that right now you're at a work, a school place, whatever you're doing. He's called you to be salt and light right there. He's called you to be salt and light inside this body of Christ to serve Jesus faithfully and be a part of the mission that God's placed this church on to reach a community that's lost. And I'm going to tell you, we need help. Man, and when we get to a building over there, we're going to need more help. We're going to need need soldiers of Jesus to join the cause. Man, this ain't a cruise ship we're on, guys. This ain't sit back and get entertained and and, and be comfortable. This is a battleship church. This is an all-hands-on-deck church. If you're looking for entertainment, this is the wrong church for you. There's cruise ship churches out there. We're not one of them. Because God's called us on a mission. God's called you on a mission. And he wants us to be his vessels, to be salt and light. And I'm going to close right now with this, and I know we're a little behind. This is what God wants to know with you as he calls right now. Is yes on the table? Is yes on the table for what he's called you to do? Not a partial yes, not a maybe, not a some now, some later. It's an all-in yes. Is that on the table for you? Or is there still a no or a doubt or I don't know? Because I'm going to tell you, you can't complete the mission God's called you to do in behalf in. You see, here's what we like to do. You and I like to go to the negotiating table with God. 
We like to do like a little show years ago called Deal or No Deal. You know what I'm saying? Remember that show where they'd be answering all this stuff and like get guessing all these numbers and get a certain amount and, and then the, the guy would call in and be like, yo, I, I can sell you out for this amount. If you're, nah, I ain't selling out. I'm going for it all. That's what Jesus wants. Amen. This isn't a deal or no deal faith. There's no negotiating table with God. It's a yes. In other words, what you and I have to do to truly have a heart of surrender, and this is for salvation too, guys. Let's make no mistake. It's an all in. Are you surrendering your heart, your life to Jesus? It's not, you can have a little me now, God, a little me later. That is not it. Amen. That's not it. Ask the rich young ruler. He was willing to do a little bit, but he had a surrender problem, and he went away dejected. He went to the right place. He went to Jesus. Lord, what must I do to be saved? He had been a good person, followed some of the Ten Commandments. He was a great dude. He come to the right place, wanted to be saved. But Jesus asked him to surrender, and he couldn't do it. And he went away unsaved. You see, Jesus didn't want his money. Jesus wanted his heart. Have you given Jesus your heart? All of it. Or is there still something in your life you're holding on to? Surrender it all right now today. And follow Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you say, Brad, I've surrendered my heart, my all to Jesus. But but there's something that God's calling me to do and I haven't put yes on the table. Can I tell you what it needs to look like? You don't fill out your will, your desires, where you want to be, this, da, 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 and then sign your name at the bottom and say, hey, God, will you sign this? That is not it. You get a a blank piece of paper out spiritually in your mind and you sign your name at the bottom and you say, here, God, yes, whatever you call, wherever you want me to go. No matter the cost. That's it. That's surrender. And what if God's called you to something that seems impossible? I end with a story. And I just want you to just think about this. The story of a teen girl who was burdened to go into the mission field. And this burden had been burning in her heart for some time. and, And the Lord had specifically now given her a desire toward a certain people group. And this certain tribe, this certain, unpeople, this certain people group were unreached, and they were cannibals. And the burden was so hard on her, and he knows, she knows what God wants her to do. That she goes forward one Sunday after church and tells the pastor, say, God's called me to, to, this, to the mission field. He's like, great. Praise God. So I want to talk with you after service. So after service, she goes marching down, and here goes mom and dad right behind her <laughs> to have a talk with the pastor. And she lays out to the pastor exactly what this is looking like. This is a group of cannibals, and they're a dangerous group. But I know God's called me here. And mom and dad are like, come on, pastor, speak, some, speak something into her. Speak some sense into her. This is crazy. She can't do that. And the pastor's like, well, well sweetheart, you really need a fast. You need to pray. You need to make sure that God's called you here, this, that, and the other. So sure enough, she does that. And she goes. She goes to the missions group, gets, starts getting her training. And inside of her training, when they start to say, where's the Lord called you? She tells them the group of people that... The Lord's called her to, and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't send people there anymore. Man, the, the, the last two men that we've sent there, they, they didn't come home. So we don't send people there anymore because of that. She's like, I don't care. God's called me there. So sure enough, she completes her training. They, this is a place where you can't fly in. She's got to go in by helicopter, and, and so they have to find this open area. She's got to climb down the, the ladder from the helicopter because it can't land, and it's, and it's too dangerous. So she's got to climb down the ladder, and she's on her own for 30 days. And as the helicopter pilot is flying, and they're hovering this area, and he's telling her a couple of times, like, are, are you sure 
You want to do this? You say, yeah, I'm sure God's called me here. Are, are you sure? This could cost you your life. You realize the last two people I couldn't pick up, they died. Yeah. Throws her bag down, climbs down the ladder, she goes. 30 days later, the helicopter shows up to pick her up like was planned, hovering over this open area where it's supposed to be picked up and there's nothing. Circles again, nothing. Circles again, nothing. It's about to leave because they're about to run out of fuel to make it back. And finally, she steps out of the brush into the clearing. And behind her is about 100 people from the tribe. And she's hugging all of them, and they have a quick word of prayer. And then she comes, and she climbs up the ladder and gets on the plane. And the helicopter pilot just dumbfounded, be like, girl, I got to know. <laughs> what did you do? Like, like, aren't they cannibals? She's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, they're, they're cannibals, but they only eat men. <laughs> and she said their tradition had been telling them for a long time to look for an angel from heaven to come down and to tell them the truth, and they would put their faith in the one and only true God that this angel told them about. She said, so when they saw me get off this helicopter and come down out of the air, they immediately approached me and asked me what I was there for. And I boldly proclaimed to them the truth of the gospel. And they all put their faith in Jesus and accepted Christ. So what has God called you to that seems impossible? What has God called you to that you're finding major resistance right now? And it's not easy. Can I tell you, it's not supposed to be. Even Jesus told Peter before he set him out on the mission, Satan's asked to sift you like wheat, boy. But I've prayed for you. <laughs> Lord Jesus, would you pray for us? Because God has set us on a mission, and we can't do it on our own strength, and it's not going to be easy, and we will meet resistance. We'll meet resistance from an enemy. We will meet resistance from people whose hearts aren't right that the enemy uses. We will meet resistance. But will we stay the course? Will we stand for truth? Will we make the play in the clutch that God's called us to? And will we know wholeheartedly that God has placed you and I right here, right now for such a time as this? Let's bow our head and close our eyes. I wonder right now today if there's anybody you might say, Pastor Brad, I don't know Jesus like I should. I've known about him. I've gone to church, but I've never surrendered my heart, my life, my everything to Jesus right now. And I want to put yes on the table with no more no's right now. I want to surrender all to him. If that's you, I'm going to lead you through a prayer that I want you to do business from your heart to God's heart right now and surrender your life. And know that it's not just the magic prayer. It's not the words by themselves that save you. It's Romans 10, 9, and 10. It's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Yes, you confess him. And when your heart's right, you're saved today from this point forever. And no one can pluck you out of his hands. There might be another group of people here and say, Brad, there was a time in my life where I had, I had surrendered my life to Jesus and I was walking with the Lord and I was on fire for Jesus. But lately, man, life's happened and I've drifted and I've gone off. And today I want to come running back like the prodigal son right now to the cross and say yes to Jesus, whatever that is. I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. Pray from your heart to God's heart right now and do business with God and rededicate your life to him. Or I wonder if there's somebody else in here. 
and you're being called to do something for the Lord that you've been putting off or that's scary or that's been hard. And you need to say yes to Jesus, to his calling. There's a problem. You see the need. God's given you a burden for it. God's given you a call. And will you say yes and let him put you on the mission? Maybe there's somebody in here. You may say, Brad, I know I'm called to full-time ministry. If that's you, I want you to come forward and, and talk to me after this. During this invitation, come forward and speak to me. Don't say maybe anymore. I want you to come. You may say, Brad, I, I'm called to, to serve in some capacity in the church, and I know that I have talents, I have gifts that God could use within this mission of this church. If that's you, I want you to say yes to Jesus and come, whatever that is. So right now, if you're here, and first and foremost, you need to surrender your life to Jesus or rededicate your life to him right now, let's boldly, let's get that done right now. Just say, dear Lord, I admit to you that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of you, my Savior. To this point in my life, I've been living for myself, for the things of this world, and it has separated me from you. And Lord, I'm tired of doing life on my own. And I'm coming running to you right now, and I surrender all. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, God in the flesh, that his body was broken and his blood was shed at Calvary, that I could be forgiven, that I could be redeemed, restored, and renewed, that I could be raised to walk in this newness of life. So thank you for giving the picture that and proving that he is God, but raising him from the grave. And that tomb is empty. And right now, Jesus stands in victory over all hell, death, and the grave. And Lord, I want to claim and live that same victory right now in my life. And Lord, my commitment to you is the rest of my days, every step I take, every breath I make will be for you and your glory alone. Lord, thank you for saving me. If you right now did business with Jesus right there, boldly and unashamed for the first time or to rededicate, would you raise your hand and say, Brad, right now, I just surrendered and I'm not ashamed. Amen. If I don't see you, God does. I'm going to close our service like we do every week. I'm just going to ask you right now to stand to your feet. And whatever it is that God's doing in your heart, I just want you to put action with your feet right now to it. Come forward. Maybe you just made a decision for Christ. Maybe you need to an answer the call to full-time ministry to serve in this church. Maybe you just need to come forward, pray over a loved one, a financial situation, a health situation, whatever the case may be. Maybe you need to join the church. Whatever it is, just come right now as the Lord leads. Dr. Falwell said, that's great, Brad. Where are you going? What has he called you to do? It's like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just know I have to say yes. His burden's been on my heart. And God's faithful to lead because God knew 17 years ago what I didn't know, and that was Impact Church was coming. That's what he was getting me to surrender to. And he was going to prepare me the whole way. So what is God calling you to? Where he just wants to know is yes on the table. No negotiation, no deal or no deal. <laughs> I just want to hear yes. Would you surrender to yes? Just keep saying yes to Jesus, whatever that is. Let's take this word. Let's go make an impact because God's placed us here for such a time as this. We'll see you next Sunday.